Dan, and um, if Dan is looking a little bit like a shepherd with his beard, it's for a reason. He's uh, going to be over with the children later on, and we appreciate Dan and Joyce Need and um, and all that they do around here. They haven't been at our church too too long, but uh, they've worked their way into the hearts of many people, and we appreciate all of their ministry and support. And uh, we're we're blessed by Dan's music, aren't we? That was a beautiful song. Well, if you have your Bible, I would invite you to go ahead and turn to the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 7, and we're going to be looking at a few different verses in Deuteronomy in just a moment, and if you're using the Black Pew Bible that's there in front of you, just turn to page 2000, I'm sorry, 210, 210, and that's going to bring you to Deuteronomy chapter 7, and... um, you know, I, I, speaking of uh, music, last Sunday night was just a wonderful, wonderful Christmas worship service, and uh, everyone did a phenomenal job, and it was just so meaningful and such a blessing, and to see our young people as well as, um, you know, our, our adults, just it, everything came together so beautifully, and, and it was live-streamed, so it's still on our Facebook page if you want to watch it. I know there were many, many people that could not be here or maybe live far away and we're able to be a part that way. So uh, we're thankful and I want to thank all of the teens and the uh, worship leaders and everyone for all of their work pulling it all together. It was just a great night. Now for the uh, month of December, we are looking at, we're looking together at the four gifts of Christmas. And these four gifts are gifts that uh, they're not material things. Because the best things in life are not things. Uh, there are things, relationships, or there are realities, there are intangible, non-material are the greatest things in life that we can possess. And there are four very special gifts that come to us through Christmas, through the coming of Christ. And these are peace, hope, love, and joy. And so we're unpacking each one of these words. We're doing kind of a word study, looking how each word is used in Scripture, how uh, God defines it in his word. And so then what does it mean to us? And we've already uh, unwrapped uh, peace and hope. And today we're going to unwrap love. And uh, we said that peace, uh, just a little review here, because um, if you're like me, you you need review, right? It helps uh, get it ingrained more in our minds. Uh, peace is not just the absence of conflict, but it points toward something better in its place. So the word peace means actually the Hebrew word shalom means wholeness or completeness. So out of the complexities of life and the, uh, the gaps in our life, uh, Christ brings peace to restore and rebuild those areas of our life and through his word and through his teachings and through his values. But then there's also areas of our life that will never be fully complete or fully restored in this lifetime uh, because we live in a fallen world and terrible things happen to us. And, And so this is where the peace of Jesus Christ and his grace bridges those gaps and allows us to live a life of wholeness even in the midst of our brokenness. But yet we look forward to that day when the, pre- the Prince of Peace can rule in your heart now, and that's really the key, 
But one day we will, as children of God, we will live under the rule of the Prince of Peace and his eternal kingdom, and it will be complete wholeness, and, and uh, we look forward to that day. And then uh, we unwrap the word hope, and hope is not wishful thinking. It's something much more than that. Hope is the confident expectation of good. And so we look forward to a future that is much better than the present. And so uh, looking forward to Christ and his future kingdom gives me strength in the present. It's something that I can cling to and hold to that brings stability and security to my life today. Now, and this morning, we're going to unwrap the word love. But let me just say about these word studies that we're doing that um, it's kind of like those Christmas presents, you know. Uh, these words, they don't mean what we think they mean. It's, you know, sometimes you wrap a present and you think you know what it is, right? It seems obvious what, the, what it really is. Like this right here, this is actually an Xbox inside here. I know it looks like a racket, you know, but it's not. It's, it's, this, is a, this is a PlayStation in here. You know, you don't know it yet, but if you opened it, you would know. And this uh, may look like a bat, but it's actually not. This is an iPhone inside here wrapped up. If you would open it, that's what it would be, right? So it can be misleading if you just judge it from your first glance. Now, my message is not quite as cheesy as that illustration, but my point is, is that let's don't just look at these words on the surface, what we think they mean. Let's unwrap them in God's word and actually see what they truly mean. And we're going to do that with the word love. And um, so, um, <clears throat> so the word in the Hebrew, the word, the Old Testament word for love is uh, avaha. No. Ahava, ahava, that's it, ahava. And, um, you know, I'm not going to talk a lot about the New Testament word for love, which we all have heard many, many times, agape, right? We're going to be, we, I don't have time to do both, and so we're going to just look at the Old Testament, which will be a little more new to us. Ahava is the, and I'm not a, a Hebrew scholar, so I might have the phonetics a little bit wrong, but I think it's ahava. And it basically, this word refers to the kind of affection and care that one person shows to another. So, for example, it does include the romantic idea of, of, of affection and caring for someone that you love in a romantic way. It, but it, it means more than that. It's a broad word that can be used in a lot of, for example, Abraham had ahava for his son Isaac. That's parental love. Um, <coughs> Jonathan showed Ahava to his friend David. That's brotherly love. In fact, a whole group of people can have Ahava for their leader, as in Israel when they loved King David. And so that's, you know, it's, it's a broad term. It can even mean, it even has this idea of loyalty so that political allies in the Bible had Ahava for Israel and helped them build the temple so it has this idea of affection and care and help, and it has a sense of loyalty in it as well. So these are all different kinds of affection described by one word, ahava. Affection, care, and loyalty. Now all of this helps us understand God's love uh, in the Old Testament 
toward us and toward his people. And so in Deuteronomy, we're going we're gonna to see here that Moses uh, told the Israelites, God showed affection for you. He chose you because of his ahava toward you. And this is in Deuteronomy 7. And we're going to we'll read verses seven and eight. Now, we're going to jump around a little bit in Deuteronomy. So and there, I'll be mentioning and referencing other verses that you'll want to jot down as uh, a word study where this word is used throughout the Old Testament. And uh, so you'll want to jot some of these down. But the first one that we're going to look at is in Deuteronomy seven, verses seven and eight. And this is where God's this is the love that God showed to his people. When he said in verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, his delight, his affection, nor chose you because you were more in number than any other people, for you were the least of all people. But because the Lord loves you, that's the word ahava, and because he would keep the oath which he swore to your fathers, the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage. Now, in two verses, we see every sense of this word. It's, um, it's affection, and we see the Lord did not set his love on you or his affection on you, your Bible might say, because you were more in number than any other people. Uh, but because the Lord has ahava for you, he would keep the oath that he swore to your fathers. That's the idea of loyalty. And the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of bondage. That's the care. So he was caring and meeting their need, caring for them and delivering them. He, he felt affection toward them and he was loyal to them. These are all the senses of this word that's used here. So the love that God feels for you, this is the love that God feels for you as his child. This is the love that you and I are to feel toward God and toward those around us. And, and he says here, he doesn't love them because they deserve it or because they were the best. It's simply because of his own character, he says in our, in our text. He loves them because he loves. It's a part of his character and his nature. That's why Jeremiah 31, and we're not going to turn there, 31.3 says that God has loved Israel with an everlasting love. So it's a love that uh, has no end and it has no beginning. God's love is an eternal fact of the universe. And so uh, it's just a part of who he is. As a matter of fact, it is one of the strongest feelings that he has is the feeling of love toward his creation. And, and so and let me just say it is a genuine feeling that God experiences affection toward his creation. When he wanted to describe his people, uh, his love for his chosen people, uh, he used, and, and I've, I, I talked about Hosea last week, and I, we, I don't know if we turned there or not. We're not turning there today, but it is just like really carries a lot of these uh, gifts that we're talking about. They're illustrated in the story of Hosea, and it says that there in Hosea that, that God's, he describes his love for Israel as the love of a husband for their spouse. And then later on, he describes the love that he feels for his people as the love of a parent toward their child. So this is an affection. 
This is a feeling that God feels toward you, a feeling of love, and it's one of the strongest things that God feels. Now, um, you know, some people, um, you know, they somehow we, we are dismissive of feelings, you know, and, and somehow, you know, it's not macho to feel or to have emotions or those kinds of things, or we, we view emotions as somehow out of control. But this is not the case. I mean, obviously, they can be. But what I want you to hear is that God feels love toward you as his child, and there's nothing wrong with feeling affection and feeling emotions toward those that you love and care about. That is a healthy, normal thing. It is a God-given thing, and it is a God-like thing. Now, it doesn't mean that God's love is just a feeling, right? It's not just affection, but his love is also action. It's care, we said. It is something that God chooses to do, to care. And, and so we um, read that in our passage. Because the Lord loves you, he has brought you out with a mighty hand. He has delivered you from bondage. So he's providing, he's delivering them, and he's rescuing them. He is providing for their greatest need in that moment. Now let's turn over to another verse there in Deuteronomy. Just turn back a page or two to chapter 4 and look at verse 37. And by the way, I'm wearing, um, you like my, my Christmas outfit? This tie is, um, I wear this tie every year at Christmas time. This tie belonged to Frank Croston. If you, those of you know who remember him and and I always wear this in honor of him. Um, verse 37 of, uh, of Deuteronomy 4. Ahava is used again. And it says here in verse 37, because of God's ahava for your ancestors, because of God's love for your ancestors, he brought you out of Egypt with great power. So God's love isn't just a sentiment. It does something for the good of, the, of its object. Do you see that there? So in the New Testament, I'm sorry, in the Old Testament, Israel is called to respond to God's love by showing love in return. Showing love to him, which would be affection and care and loyalty, and also towards others. Just like God's uh, love, human love, is to show itself through actions. So in the Old Testament, I show uh, my love to God by how I treat others, the people around me. That's how we show our love for God. In Deuteronomy, we read that um, God defends the cause of the fatherless and the widow and that he uh, shows, um, he, show, he gives, uh, he shows he defends the cause of the father, fatherless and the widow by giving them food and clothing. And it also says that he shows Ahava toward the immigrant. Now, I want you to see this in Deuteronomy 10. Uh, let's turn over there real quick. Okay, so, so far, we have said that this gift that we're unwrapping is love, and it, and it has the strong idea of affection, that you feel a positive affectionate feelings toward those you love 
and, but it also has the idea of care, where you're, you're actively doing something. It's not just a feeling. You're doing something to help them, to help meet their needs. And, um, and it has this idea of loyalty. So that's the way God loves us, and that's the way he calls us to love others. Okay, so you think about the people in your life, and, and we love them, right? We are committed to them. That's like the loyalty part. And so but that's sometimes that's where we stop, or we, 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 ha- we have the loyalty part, and we, we provide certain care for them. But what sometimes, you know, I think maybe as men or as people in general, as, you know, depending on how we grew up, we don't really go to the affection part. But that's a third of it. That's a huge part of it. And so uh, God wants to feel us to feel love tw- toward the people around us. And, and then he says, I want you to care for the people around you. Care about them and care, help to care for them. That's what God's love does. And so when he gives us that love and he loves us that way, that's the way he wants us to love the people around us. And we see that right here in Deuteron- Deuteronomy 10, beginning in verse 17. And we'll read this together, okay? It says, for the Lord, I'll read out loud, you follow along with me. For the Lord your God is God of gods, Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome, who shows no partiality nor takes bribes. He administers justice for the fatherless and the widow and loves, that's Ahava, the stranger, giving him food and clothing. He loves the immigrant. So that's that we already said that's the nature of God, right? Affection, care, and loyalty. And this is this is the big, mighty, awesome God. This is the God who is the judge of the universe. This is the God who is righteous in all that he does. This is the God who rules over all. It says in verse 17, but this very same God feels affection toward the down and out, toward the immigrant to the vulnerable, to the poor, to the orphan, to the single mom. He feels affection toward them, and he, care, he provides care for them. And he feels that toward everyone in this room. But wait a minute. We already said all of that. Now we're, we're coming back around to like, okay, how does, this, what, how does this apply to me? And that's what God does in verse 19. Notice what he says. Therefore... Because these things are true about God, therefore, you love the stranger. Love the immigrant is the word. For you were strangers in the land of Egypt. And then he goes on in verse 20, and he kind of gives like four different points here. You, You shall fear the Lord your God. You shall serve him. Uh, You shall hold fast to him. You shall take oaths in his name. And so uh, verse 20 is this idea of of fearing the Lord, which is like honoring, respecting, uh, serving him, uh, being loyal to him, loving him. This is all aspects of what it means to love God. And it starts by loving others. You I love the immigrant. I want, and, if you, and if you have my love in your heart, then you are to love the immigrant. What does that mean? You know, he's using immigrant here, and he's kind of, he does emphasize it. I mean, you can't get away from it. 
uh, and throughout the Old Testament and you look at Jesus's ministry, he was always drawn toward the poor, toward the sick, toward the 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 hurting. He was always drawn toward the sinner. And, and a and, and that's just a reflection of what we see in the Old Testament. He emphasizes all of this. And so you and I, this is where we have to step back and say, okay, am I doing that? And if I'm not, do I actually love God or do I just say that I do? Now, I want to provide a little warning here with this idea because someone pipes up and says, Oh, that sounds like a social gospel, Pastor Phil. No, it actually sounds like what we're reading in the Bible this morning. We just read it. You know, the social gospel is this idea. It's a wrong idea, and it's really a movement that has, you know, over many decades. It's, it emphasizes helping the social needs in the world, and, but it emphasizes it so much that it fails to emphasize the gospel of salvation through Jesus. And so like these uh, Christians who perhaps, you know, uh, people who claim to be Christians, but they're emphasizing so much social needs and social justice and some of these other things that that's their emphasis and they completely neglect presenting the gospel to people, the gospel of salvation. But that's not what God wants. That's not what we're saying here. God wants each one of his children to show genuine ahava towards others. Affection, care, loyalty, even to the most needy, just like God showed to us. But when we do that, then it becomes a platform for the gospel. So, and this is exactly how Jesus did ministry. He went around meeting these physical, tangible, felt needs but as soon as he was doing that, he just used that as a, as a platform to talk about people's deeper spiritual need and their need of Christ and salvation. And, um, and that's the balance. So it's not a polarized thing. You know, we live in a very polarized society, right? So it's not this polarized thing. Oh, it's either social needs or it's the gospel. You know, it's not either or. It is both and. And that's why, you know, I'm thankful for uh, the ministries that are actively doing these kinds of things that we can partner with. You know, I think of like Shepherd's College up in Wisconsin, which is really probably, as far as I know, it's the only college in America or in the world. I mean, a college level program for adults with developmental disabilities. And we're a part of that. I mean, it was started by Baptist churches all around the Midwest, a long time ago. And we're still partners with Shepherd's College or Baptist Children's Home. Baptist Children's Home that helps to feed um, over a thousand children every single day around the world in places like India and Liberia and other areas of the world. And we're partners with them. I think of, you know, like... Um, and, you know, we, we could mention others, the Women's Center of Northwest Indiana. We could talk about the Welcome Network and Tony Burrell. Now, I know this is a little controversial, you know, but uh, Tony Burrell, and they're, they're just, they're in North Hammond, and they're helping people every single, they're helping the immigrant. And they don't, 
they're not there to sort out, you know, who's legal and who's illegal. They're going to leave that to the courts and to the, you know, the justice system. They're there to make sure that people aren't starving to death and that they're not living on the street, right? And, and <coughs> they've already, they've already received, I believe it's two families from Afghanistan. Those ones that were trying to climb on those planes that you saw in the news. The people that we helped to evacuate who helped our troops during all of that time. Those people are coming to our cities and towns with nothing except the clothes on their back. Now, you talk about that's the stranger that God says that he ahavaz. He feels affection toward them and he cares for them. And I'm glad that there's a ministry that knows about how to do that in the right kind of a way right here in our area and that we could partner with them. Those are just some examples of what I'm saying. But, you know, as I as we think about this, um, this is all for the gospel. This is so that um, we do this in the name of Jesus, right? We do this with the love of Jesus, but also the message of Jesus, right? And um, so it's, it's a platform for sharing the gospel, and that's the big difference. Now, this is exactly the way that God loved you and loved me way back when we were lost and without Christ. Because uh, the New Testament, and we're not going to really get to go there very much, the New Testament portrays the love of God for you and me in these very same ways. We were the outsider. We were the, the ones who were far from God. We were poor, needy sinners, and we were without hope in this world, Ephesians 2 says. But then God showed affection and care and loyalty toward us. So much so, the Bible says in John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave, right? There's an action involved in loving. He gave his one and only son. And um, so that is Christ's affection and care for you and me, that he voluntarily, he took action, and he left the glories and the comfort of heaven, and he <laughs> came down to a, a poor existence in a, in a cruel world, in an undeveloped world, and he, he exposed himself to all of that, he did all of that work in order to die on a cross to pay for your sins and my sins so that he could care for and provide for the greatest deliverance from bondage, uh, which is our salvation and our forgiveness. That's what Jesus did for you and I. He showed ahava towards us. And, and, you know, let me just say this right now. I know there's not a lot of people in this room right now, and I know most of you. But there's people watching online, and let me just say, Romans 6.23 says, The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So at Christmas time, God offers to each one of us a gift, and that gift is eternal life. And it is a gift that you cannot earn. No one deserves it. You can't, like, work enough to, to earn it. It is the gift of God that comes to us through Jesus Christ our Lord. He purchased that gift with his own blood on the cross. He paid the price 
And, and so now he can give you the free gift of eternal life. Now, the thing about a gift is, is you have to receive it, right? You have to open, reach out and just in faith accept what Jesus has done for you and ask him to be your savior. Ask him for the gift of eternal life. And you, my friend, can do that in this very moment. You can open up your heart in faith and ask Jesus Christ to give you the gift of eternal life and invite him into your life to be your God and your savior. It is through Jesus Christ, our Lord. So accept Jesus Christ, the Lord. Accept him into your life, and he will give you the gift of eternal life. Now, um, so let's, um, let's, um, let's find some application for this, and then I'll be done, okay? We said that uh, ahava, the Old Testament word for love, is feeling affection. It is... Uh, the action of caring and giving care, and it is this idea of loyalty. So first, um, my first application is this. You and I should uh, understand that God loves us that way, and we should love him that way. We should feel certain things about God. Positive affections toward God, and, and we, we can feel that when we worship. We can feel that when, uh, you know, I think if we feel that, we are worshiping wherever we are, in the driving down the car, or listening to a beautiful Christmas song, or just meditating and reflecting on the greatness of God. But there's certainly nothing wrong. There's something very right. You know, sometimes Midwesterners, we can be very stoic and very, you know, and, and, and that's okay. But there's something inside of you that feels, a and we should feel something toward God. And then you say, well, how do we care for God? Well, obviously we know God needs no care, right? He is completely self-sufficient. He doesn't need anything from us. But he gives us the opportunity to serve him. And he said, we serve him by serving others. And when you do it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. So the way we care and we put action to our love for God is by serving and caring for those around us. And that really brings me to my little illustration over here. And we're going to start, we're going to start, we're going to talk about ahava and what it means to put action to it and to care. Right? We've already talked about feeling something. Now we're going to talk about, and we're going to start in our closest circles. Um, and I guess we could start with ourselves. I mean, you need self-care and all of those things. But we're going to start, let's start with our families, okay? Because um, when a, when a, when a husband and a father goes to work every day and works in a steel mill for 30 years or in any kind of job, faithfully working because they care about their family, they love their family, and they want to provide something. Or when, a, um, you know, some of our ladies who are nurses and they go to work Every day or however often they work, they do these third shifts and they're working all night and they're caring and they're exposing themselves to all kinds of things, right? Because they care about their family and they want to help provide for their children and, your, and their family. That is love. That is love. And, and you should feel love toward your family when you're doing all of those hard things and long hours and all of that commuting and all of that, that's love that you're showing for your family. And um, 
And, you know, there's other ways that we show, you know, when we stick to a budget and we plan ahead. You know, I heard something this week, and I'd never heard of it before. Unfortunately for me, it's about 17 years too late. <laughs> they said that there is a custodial Roth IRA. I never heard of it till this week. But if I had small children, that's something, that's, that's a way to love your kid. You can start their IRA when they're born. <laughs> Can you imagine putting $25 a month in an IRA for your child to retire on one day? That, I mean, I started a college fund, but I didn't know about the custodial Roth IRA. When you're like planning and working and thinking, you're loving your family. You know, and I think of another way of um, during the holidays, you know, it, it can be very busy around the house. And one way that we can care and love one another is by helping around the house. You know, whether it's like helping wash the dishes or unload the dishwasher or sweep the floor or carry out the trash. You know, I think everyone in the house uh, needs to learn how to care for each other. And, and that's an action. It's not just a feeling. So there's things that you can do that you're, you're loving them by your actions. You know, and it's not just... Um, tangible, physical things. You know, I think about, um, um, you know, where you're, you're, you're using words or you're using encouragement or you're using your attention, you're paying attention to each other, and that's a way of loving each other. You know, I have here um, a letter that, um, I've got a couple of letters here, obviously. This letter my grandfather wrote to me when I was in college. Now, no one in our family, even our extended family, no one had ever lived north of the Mason-Dixon line ever. Okay, <laughs> I'm just saying. We were from the south, right? And I was the first one when I moved north to go to college. And if it, we f I felt like I was on the other side of the world, right? <laughs> I'm sorry. It just <laughs> and my grandfather wrote me a letter. My uncle wrote me a letter. This is 1983. He wrote me a letter. You know, just showing attention and care. And you know what? A few months ago, I was going through my dad's things, and lo and behold, I found letters that my grandfather wrote to my dad and my uncle when they were in college. And it's just caring about each other. And, you know, I, I hesitate to even give examples because there's all different ways. You know, it's just a broad idea of that you feel something and you show it and you demonstrate it and you express it in, in caring. And, and there's lots of ways to express that. But, you know, it's not just our family. It's our church family. And you know how blessed I am as a pastor when someone says, hey, Pastor Phil, do you know anyone in need? Because we want to do something special for someone at Christmas time. And, and, and so we're like helping them find people that they can care for and provide for. And when people are, are sick or in the hospital or, or going through a hard time, someone's bringing them a meal or, or people are calling them or sending them cards. Or, or when we come to church, we're, we're happy to see one another and we're interested in how are you doing and what's going on in your life and and all of those kinds of things, they go on around here all the time. And it is a church trying to love and care for one another. 
you know, and someone, um, sometimes there's actual physical things to do, like, you know, repairs or helping uh, a single mom out or uh, someone who's not physically able to do something around their home. And these are all examples that go on around here all of the time. And, and, and it's, and so it's something that we, we, we feel something toward each other. We actually like each other. We don't just love each other. We like each other, right? <laughs> and then, but then we want to put action to it. And then it goes even broader than that. You know, I mentioned the needy and the immigrant. And, you know, I, um, I think of uh, ministries like uh, Compassion International. And this is a, a young boy by the name of Carlos that our, our youth group, our live students, sponsor every month. And they have another student. Th th Carlos is through Compassion International, which is a great organization. Freedom International, where Jade is down in the Dominican, they sponsor children in their school as well, and the, a live group is sponsoring a child through Freedom International. And, you know, I was, um, you know, I, I felt bad because during this whole economic slowdown and everything that's gone on in the last year or so, um, Compassion has lot of lost a lot of sponsors, and there's a lot of children like Carlos that, People just are not financially able to do what they were doing. But it is a big concern, and these are good ministries that make a real difference. They really do. I mean, I've been on the other side. <laughs> you know, I've seen compassion in, uh, in play and how it works and in Guatemala, and they do great work, and, and they do gospel work. When th these kids receive all of their help through local churches, and they are... They sh they, the gospel is shared with them multiple times throughout the year. So it is a gospel-driven kind of ministry. And, you know, um, a number of years ago, we went on a trip actually to Guatemala with a group of people from our church. And Linda Brumbaugh, who is a longtime member of our church, she was just here the other day. She lives in Texas now. She went with us. And you know what one of her driving, uh, driving desires to go on that trip was? She said, Pastor Phil... I've supported a girl through Kids Alive, which is a similar type organization out of Valpo. She said, I've supported this girl for all of these years. I want to meet her. And so we all get on this plane and we get down there. And one of our activities one afternoon was to go find this girl, which is another town. We had to drive over there. We found her. We found her. I didn't know all the details because I didn't know about all of this. I just knew we were going to find this girl. She was 19 years old. She was in college. She was doing well. Her family was doing well. And Linda had sponsored her since she was a little girl. My friend, it's $50 a month or something like that. And to us, that you know, we have to fit that into our budget. For those people... It transformed their entire family, not just that child. But in it, many cases, the entire family is lifted out of the most extreme poverty. That is Ahava. That is the Ahava that God showed us when we were strangers and poor and needy. And that is the Ahava that he calls us to show to those around us, whether they're in our family in our church, or in our world. We are to ahava, and you think about this over lunch today. 
We are to ahava humanity, the world. For God so loved the world. Let's bow together for prayer. Just with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, we're going to sing one final song, but I want to pray with you before we do. And <coughs> You know, and I shared a gospel invitation in my message, and but again, I just want to extend the invitation. There's anyone that's listening to me now. God loves you. He loves you so much that he did something that you desperately needed. He came down to this earth in the form of a man and he died on a cross to make the perfect sacrifice to pay for all of your wrongs and your failures. And he extends a gift to you. It's the gift of eternal life. You don't deserve it. You cannot deserve it. None of us do. But he offers it to us through Jesus Christ. And if you will believe that, if you will believe your great need, and you will believe in God's great love, and you will believe in his amazing son, Jesus Christ, and ask him to come into your life, he will. He will. You can do that right now. Just open up your heart in faith and invite the Lord Jesus Christ to come into your life, be your God and your Savior and your King. Father God, we thank you for your great love. Father, may we feel that love. And may we feel very, very great and special things towards you. For the wonderful God that you are. For your, your mercy and your grace and your kindness toward us. And then, Father, may we share that and shower that on those around us, those closest to us, and yes, even those farthest from us. We pray this and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing one final song before we're dismissed. 147 in your songbook. Probably you don't need the words, but let's sing Silent Night. <laughs>